Welcome to the Religion Retold Podcast with your host, Jake. Hello, my religious rebels, and welcome to the Religion Retold Podcast. My name is Jake, and today's episode is going to be a story episode. And this episode is going to be about Cain and Abel, the first man born and the first man to die. So this one's actually pretty interesting. There's a few uh, few interesting things that I never knew, never thought about. So um, let's get straight into it. Okay, so today we're going to start with the story straight out of the Bible. And uh, the story's a bit vague, you know, a bit sparse, details are a bit lacking, but, you know, that's pretty standard for the first, you know, five or six stories in the Bible. So, we'll do what we can, we'll do, we'll do our best and uh, see how we go. So, anyway, this goes from Genesis 4 and it starts, Adam and Eve, you know, get it on, they, they uh, yeah, they, they start making babies and they pop out Cain. Uh, then they get it on again, then they pop out Abel. And then that's that's basically it for the childhood in the Bible. Nothing nothing else happens. The next verse, they, you know, fast forward, do a do a do a time shoot, and now we get to Abel and Cain are all grown up now. So Abel is a shepherd and Cain is a farmer. He's out in the field, he's growing grains and vegetables and all sorts of stuff like this. So for some reason, which isn't stated in the Bible at all, they both head over to an altar and they make an offering to God. So they both bring over what they can. You know, Abel has his lambs and Cain has his fruit and veg. So they both head over. They both lay their offerings out on the on the, on the the altar. And they're like, you know, here you go, Yahweh. This is for you. So Abel has his lambs. It's got their, the fattiest parts, you know, the best lambs he could find. You know, he's really going all out. He's a bit of a kiss-ass old Abel. And then Cain comes over and he's got his fruit and veg, you know, just his basics, you know. Fruit and veg, that's about it. That's all it says in the Bible, so we can't really go into much detail. It doesn't say whether it doesn't yeah, it doesn't really give an opinion on whether the fruit was good or bad. Uh, maybe, you know, Cain brought over some oranges and God was more of an apple guy. Like we don't really know, it doesn't say. But anyway, so they've both got their things over. They put them out on the altar and they're like, These are for you, God, you know. Here you go. So somehow, it's not said in the Bible how, but God shows that he likes Abel's offering more than Cain's. It doesn't say how, when, why, whatever, but somehow the boys know that Abel's offering is a lot better than Cain's off- offering. Yahweh's down with Abel, not really into Cain's offering. So Cain, you know, gets angry, you know, he's, he's brought all this fruit and veg over for God and God's like, yeah, no, I'm not into it, eh? I'm more of a lamb type of guy. So Cain's angry, you know, all this all this type of stuff. And, you know, the worst thing you can do to someone that's angry is ask them why they're angry. So, you know, Yahweh being like the first troll is like, hey, uh, why are you angry, Cain? What's what's going on? So, you know, Cain's like, you know, gets shitty. And then he's like, you know what, Cain, if you do good, I'll give you some favor as well, you know. But if you don't do good, you know, you're going to sin. You're not going to be a good bloke. I'm not really about that. So then after this, no explanation at all, Cain invites Abel into a field. So off they go. Then it just says Cain beats Abel to death, basically. He just strikes him. Abel dies. And then, again, nothing about how he died, what he did to him, you know, how how long, you know, he was lying about. 
Then Jehovah comes back again and he's doing that fake ignorance grind that he does all the time. He's walking around. He doesn't know what's going on. You know, he's feigning like he's ignorant. And then, you know, he goes to Cain. He's like, hey, Cain, where's your brother at? And Cain goes, I'm not my brother's keeper. You know, I don't know where he is. And then Jehovah, you know, unveils the thing, pulls away the fake ignorance. And he's like, I know what you've done. You know, you you lied to me. Don't lie to me. All this sort of stuff. So then Cain's like, oh, you know, geez, the jig's up now. What are you, what have I got to do? So then God goes, you know what, Cain, I'm going to give, I'm going to put a curse on you. You know, you've murdered your brother. This is pretty rough. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you bad crops. You're basically not going to be able to like farm anymore because Cain's a farmer. He knows how to farm. Now he can't farm because, you know, the crops, he's not going to be able to grow any. You're going to have to wander about. You're going to have to be nomadic now because, you know, you can't grow any food. So then Cain's like, geez, this is, this is rough, you know. If I, if I leave, anyone that finds me is going to kill me. So God's like, yeah, right, okay, that's a, that's a valid point. Anyone that harms you will receive a sevenfold worse punishment than what they've done to you. So Cain's like, cool, you know, that's good. So then God says, hey, I'm going to set this sign on you. So this is going to be the mark of Cain. Everyone that sees this is going to know that you're Cain and they're not going to kill you. So then God sends him away. He gives him a biddy, which who it, it, not mentioned in the Bible who, the, who this biddy is. But Cain gets his wife, gets laid, has a few sons and then builds a city. And basically, that's the end. There's there's the story again in the nutshell. So, again, pretty sparse. You know, details details are just not there. And that's basically all it says in the Bible. So, again, pretty rough literature. Not worded very well, but standard kind of story. Two brothers, jealousy. One fights each other. One wins. The leader finds out, gets punished. Off you go. Now, thankfully... There's an expansion pack to the Bible, and that is called the uh, the Acropolis or the uh, uh, pseudo books of the Bible, and they're kind of like the expansion pack in the sense that they were written probably around the same time that the Bible was written. Some of them probably earlier than when the Bible was written, and basically they they give a lot more details about what kind of happened and what didn't happen. And the way I'm going to kind of do this is I'll just say some interesting facts from the expansion pack of the Bible. And then I'm going to go into the, all the questions that I kind of asked reading this story, you know, 15 years on from when I first read it. And uh, yeah, so we'll start with just a few interesting facts. And most of these facts come from the book of Jubilees or the book of Adam and Eve. There's, you can look them up on the internet. If you just, if you look up the book of Jubilees and then you go to I can't remember what the website is, but it's got like pseudo at the front of it. If you click on that one, it has all of the books on there. You just, you know, you can scroll through. They've got the Book of the Dead from the Egyptians and all sorts of stuff on there. It's a pretty interesting website. So if you check that out, you can read all these books. Maybe you've never read them. If you're Catholic, you probably have. I think they have the expansion pack built in. You, you When you get a Catholic Bible, you get the expansion pack for free. But anyway, so a few interesting facts that come from the books of Jubilee and Adam and Eve. Um, so the idea in one of them is that Cain killed Abel when he was 15. So, you know, they're both pretty young. Abel's probably, you know, 13, 12, if you do the maths from the book of Jubilee. So they're pretty young, you know. Um, 
So after Cain kills his brother, he escapes to the land of Nod, which is, uh, I think that's where Noddy in the little red and yellow car, if you're a... Uh, if you if you watch cartoons, you, if you're a British or Australian or something like that, yeah, I think that's where I think that's where Noddy ends up. So Kane and Noddy live in the same town. Um, he has four sons and two daughters, basically, and then he dies at seven hundred and thirty. So you know, he did pretty well for himself. He he's the first murderer. Gets given a gets given a bird. Gets to build a city. You know, four sons, two daughters, dies at 713. That's that's not a bad life, you know. He's doing all right. Generous God. Um, but anyway, there's an there's an idea in in the book of uh, Adam and Eve, I believe, and I think it came up in the in the book of Jubilee and the life of Adam and Eve. There's a few books out there that this this comes up in, and the and the story goes that Eve has this dream that when they're both really really young. That um, Cain is drinking Abel's blood in this dream. And back in the day, people were very superstitious about dreams. They they believed that dreams were from God, and you know they had omens and signs. And dreams were like really important stuff. As we get along in the uh, in the stories, we'll find that a lot of things get done based on dreams. Uh, a lot more than I would do based on my dreams. But anyway. So Eve has this dream, Cain's drinking Abel's blood. She wakes up and she's like, hey, Adam, you know, I've had this dream. This has to be from God, you know. Cain's drinking Abel's blood. This is not good. So how about we just separate the two? Don't tell them what I've seen. Just separate the two. So that's how they got their their roles. So that's why Abel was the shepherd and Cain was the farmer because Eve has this dream and then she separates them so that they can't kill each other. You know, God's will always happens, that type of thing, you know. Cain still kills Abel. Now, let's get into the questions that I had. Um, and the first one I had was, why was Cain rejected in the first place, basically? Because, you know, there's nowhere in the Bible does it say anything about Cain, what he was like, why his offering wasn't good enough, why his offering was was bad. You know, there's just no explanation in the Bible at all. Now, in the Midrash, which is a Jewish book where... Jewish scholars would sit down and they'd read texts and they'd read, they'd just basically just read everything on the Bible and an associated text about a story or a, a passage or something like that. And they'd just sit there for years going over and over and over it. And then they'd make a decision and then they'd write it out. And this is, you know, tradition in the Jewish community. And one of those books is called the Midrash. And in the Midrash, they suggest that Cain was keeping the best of his fruit. So when they both went to give their offering to Yahweh, Abel brings his best sheep. He's got the fattiest parts. He's probably got the stomach, you know, the best bits. And it does say in the Bible, like it really does go over the top to say, hey, Abel's brought this sheep and it's got all the fatty bits, you know, and then they just say, you know, Cain's brought his fruit and veg. So this, this seems legit, you know, Cain potentially, you know, kept his best fruit because, you know, they're basically burning it anyway. So it doesn't, you know, he probably is like, you know, it doesn't really matter. You know, I'm still doing the whole bit. But yeah, so that's probably the most likely, I guess. Um, now we get into the kind of weird, I guess. And there's a Jewish legend uh, in the book. The, the book's actually called The Legend of the Jews. So there's this Jewish legend and it suggests that 
that Cain is basically the offspring of uh, Eve and Satan. <laughs> so I don't know if you remember last uh, last story time when uh, we were going through the Adam and Eve story, and after they got expelled from the Garden of Eden, there's a there's a you know a Jewish mystic theory that. Adam and Eve separate for 130 years and they're like having sex with demons and all this sort of stuff. So basically this is a continuation from that in which, you know, Adam and Eve get back together, but Eve's already knocked up by a demon or Satan or some some type of evil spirit creature. And then, you know, Cain is the offspring of that. And Eve kind of is all hush-hush. Hey, not going to tell Adam about this one. But, yeah, so that's, that's again, another idea. Eve's, you know, getting knocked up by Satan, basically. And uh, now there's a there's a third one, which, again, doesn't... I, yeah, I don't know. This seems kind of far-fetched. But, anyway, we'll, we'll go through it and see, see what you think. So, the idea now is that Adam and... I mean, Cain and Abel are both twins. Sometimes Abel has two sisters sometimes Abel has one sister but the idea is they're both twins so Cain has a twin and Abel has a twin now when they when they come out you know they're getting close to age the idea is that Adam says hey you're going to swap twins so Cain's twin is going to marry Abel and then Abel's twin is going to marry Cain now Awan is Abel's twin and Aklim is Cain's twin. So Ka so Abel's supposed to marry Aklim and Cain is supposed to marry Awan. Now, Aklim is way hotter than Awan. So Cain's like, hey, I don't want to swap. You know, I'd rather have Aklim for my wife. She's my twin, you know, go jump in a lake basically. And then Abel's like, you know what? Let's go head over to this altar. We'll lay out our blessings. Yahweh's going to say... Yes or no, who's going to marry a Klim, basically. So they go over, they give up their offerings, you know, God favors Abel, the, the shepherd, to marry a Klim. So then Cain gets super jelly because now he's going to have to marry the scrub. So then he kills Abel, basically. Then, you know, in the end, he ends up marrying a one anyway. So, you know, you know, waste of time, basically. But yeah, that's another theory. So, you know, they're the three theories. My My thoughts are it's probably likely that you, when we get to the end, it's probably you'll you'll be able to decide whether this actually happened or not. But if the story did happen, my idea would be that Cain probably just gave his rough fruit and veg, you know, probably a bit mouldy, something like that. And yeah, because all the other stuff involves a lot of like demon sex and you know, twin loving type of stuff, which I don't I don't know about. But you know, each their own. You can decide what you think. So anyway. Next question that I came up with was, how did Cain kill Abel? Because it doesn't really say in the Bible. It just says, I think in my translation, it says Cain assaulted Abel and Abel dies. That's that's the literary, you know, wording that uh, that was put in the Bible. So, yeah, I'm not sure that doesn't really do it for me. So, I was like, you know, how did Cain kill Abel? Because... You, you can kill someone with one punch, but, you know, you've, you've got to really go for it most of the time to, to, to kill someone. So, you know, how did he, how did he kill um, Abel? So, there's a, few, there's a few ideas. The first one is that 
Kane just basically killed Abel with a rock. Just, you know, he found a rock, picked up a rock, killed him with a rock. And that's, again, probably the most likely, you know, because after this we get into demons and all sorts of shit. But basically the first one is Kane finds a rock in the field. Hey, look, there's this rock in the field. I want to pick it up and kill my brother, basically, you know, because I'm sure, you know, Abel's, no one's been murdered yet, but Abel's slaughtering lambs and eating them, you know what I mean? So he probably understands that if you hit something hard enough in the head, it dies, basically. So that's the first idea. Now, the second one is an Islamic tradition, and it says that uh, Satan appears in the field, like a second, you know, tree of good and bad. He appears to Cain, only Cain can see him, and Satan's slaughtering animals with this stone. So... He's like, hey, hey, Cain, look at this. I can slaughter this animal with a stone. You know, if you use this, you know, you can kill your brother. So, you know, Cain picks up the stone, kills him. You know, basically a reason as to why. It's trying to give some sort of reason to the the idea of why Cain would have killed Abel. But, you know, then Satan's appearing and stuff. Like, I guess it's the Bible. So, you know, if if Satan can appear once, he can appear twice. You know what I mean? So that's one idea. Now, in the book of Adam and Eve, it kind of has the same idea, but it it really goes like above and beyond. It's kind of like a George R. R. Martin type of situation. Um, it's it's some Game of Thrones, White Walker, Glass Sword, Foreskin Lopper type situation in which Cain and Abel go into the field, they're chilling, and then these two demons appear. One looks like Cain, one looks like Abel, and then... The Cain demon has his big, clear White Walker sword that cuts off foreskins, basically, and he uses that sword to just cut Abel's throat, just, just you know, and basically Abel, demon Abel dies. So after that, the Cain demon gives actual Cain the Game of Thrones sword, and then Cain uses that sword to kill Abel. Now, the idea is that this sword is then the one that they use to perform the first circumcisions in Exodus 4.25. But again, you know, they're they're really like pulling a long rope at that point to, you know, have this. I guess if you had a Game of Thrones clear sword, you're not really just going to leave it in the field. You'd want to have it with you. You know what I mean? You want to take it around, show your mates. Hey, look, I've got this this glass demon sword. You know, you want to you want to really show it off. So maybe, you know, but then maybe not. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting one. Like, I, I like the interesting ones. Like, most of these Jewish mystic books have, like, the most interesting stuff. It's the best expansion you can get. But also, you know, we're getting into the, into the realm of far-fetched at that point. Righto. So my next question was, why was Cain scared of being killed? There's a few holes in the story. And this is one of the main ones. So... If you go off the story, the number of people in the world is very, very low. There's Adam, there's Eve, and there's Cain. Cain's just killed Abel, his second brother. And even if they are twins or triplets or whatever, there's barely six, seven people on the earth. So who's he scared of? You know, like, why would Cain be scared of someone killing him if there's no one else in the world? So it's 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 an interesting thing because there's no explanation. There's no the Jewish mystics don't have any idea. No one really has any idea why Cain would be scared of being killed because basically there's no one in the world. He gets sent away with his bird, and you know they head off. Why would anyone, 
be after him because there's no one else in the world. They're all going to be hanging out back with Adam and Eve, you know. They've got a house. They've got their stuff set up. They've got lands. They've got lambs. They're killing it. So, yeah, that doesn't really make any sense. That's one of the uh, that's one of the giveaways, the plot holes in the whole thing. Whoever wrote it uh, didn't really think about, you know, them being the only people in the world. They, they definitely didn't put it through a reread, that's for sure. So, yeah, that's basically unexplained. There's no explanation as to why Cain would be scared. Now, next question. What is the curse and mark of Cain? So, Cain does the bad deed. Yahweh comes along. Yahweh's like, hey, Cain, you know, what are you doing? And then Cain, you know, lies. And he's like, righto, so I'm going to curse you. I'm going to give you the mark so people don't, you know, they know it's you. They're not going to kill you. So, what is the mark? And again, there's no real clear consensus on what the mark is. The Hebrew word for, I guess, the Hebrew word that is used that we would uh, like translate as mark is aweth. And that means sign, omen, warning, or remembrance. So basically it covers the whole spectrum. It's, it's, yeah, it's not a very uh, nuanced language, the old Hebrew, the old ancient Hebrew, because they were just using words left and right. So the, there's no real idea of what it could be, because it could be a sign, a, an omen, a warning, or a remembrance. So it could basically be anything, really. In Kabbalah, they think it was a Hebrew letter on the face or arm. And there's like a few theories and like people get specific and stuff. But some of the letters that they think it is, I think one of them thinks it's the letter Vav, which is which is a, the V equivalent in Hebrew. But it's basically just a tiny little curve thing. So like it's not very elaborate. And basically, you know, it could be like he's tripped over and, you know, hit his head on a rock and now he's got a little curve in his forehead. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know about that one. It seems kind of rough. I'd choose one of the uh, the more elaborate letters myself, but- Anyway, now there's another guy called Abba Arika, and he thinks that Cain was given a dog. <laughs> so, again, no real explanation as to why, but he's like, okay, he's given, he's, Cain's given this dog. And back in like classical Jewish times, dogs are, are often portrayed negatively. So, you know, he's given this burden of having this dog around all the time, which is a negative thing. But also the dog can protect him, you know. He's got a bark, you know, got a bite. If someone comes along, he can sick the dog on him. You know, maybe it's a big dog. Maybe it's a German Shepherd. You never really know. But that's what Abba Arika thinks. So, again, I'm not sure about that one. That seems a bit far-fetched. Um, now, another guy with a similar name. Abba must mean something. I'll have to look that up, what, what Abba means. But So, this guy's name's Abba Jose Ben Hanan. And he thinks, and this is this, a lot of people think this actually, that um, a horn grew out of the head of Cain and Cain could use this to protect himself because he's always got the horn on his head. But then if he's got the glass Game of Thrones sword, he doesn't need the horn. So maybe these, you know, he, he, he probably isn't on the, uh, on the foreskin cutting sword bandwagon, but he thinks that a horn come out of his head and he could use that to protect himself. But then the horn ultimately became his end when his great-grandson ends up killing him because he thought he was a deer. So, yeah, that's another one. A horn, again, a bit far-fetched. I can't really see that happening. But, again, most of it's pretty pretty out there. Um, and then probably the most likely one is Rashi. And he says that it's the Tetragrammaton, which is, you know, 
Yahweh in Hebrew. And that's probably the most likely, you know, if you're going to put some sort of religious sign on someone's forehead, you know, the Tetragrammaton isn't, isn't a bad way to go. Now, getting off like actual signs and like physical things and stuff like that, there's an exegesis, I can never pronounce this word, exegesis, exegesis or something like that. And what that means is it's, is it's a, it's a book that analyzes a part of a scripture and then writes an explanation for it, basically. So it's, it's like another expansion pack. It's like, it's like expansion pack number two. So you've got like, you've got the main game, then you've got the expansion pack, and then you've got the expansion of the expansion. And basically an exegesis is an expansion of the expansion. And now the exegesis of the Septuagint suggests that Cain may have had epilepsy or Parkinson's or something like this, because in the Septuagint, there's an extra verse that says something about the ground shaking or cane shaking or something, something along those lines. So the idea would be that, you know, Cain has epilepsy or Parkinson's. No one else has, you know, no one else in the world has ever had epilepsy or Parkinson's or something like that. So everyone knows it's Cain because, you know, he's shaking like there's an earthquake basically. So, you know, could be maybe like it's more, it's more likely than the dog theory. I'll give it that. But, you know, again, probably unlikely. Now, this is where, this is where, uh, this is where religious ideas kind of, you know, have their evil turn. They, uh, yeah, this one's a real rough one. Uh, so one of the ideas is that, which again, this is probably the roughest one and definitely not true. But, um, the idea is that people with black skin, this is the mark of Cain. So, you know, a lot of really racist dickheads think that, you know, when Cain killed Abel, God turned him black and gave him black skin. And that's the mark of Cain, basically, which is complete nonsense, you know, total nonsense. But anyway, so then, you know, this this catches on in uh, uh, mainly in like Baptist faith, Southern and Northern Baptists. Um, and then, you know, that's used as a justification for slavery, pretty much. So most of the Atlantic slave trade was based on the idea that, you know, black people had the mark of Cain, so they were second-class citizens. And then, you know, eventually uh, Northern and Southern Baptists split over this idea because the Northern Baptists were like, hey, you know, this probably isn't legit. It doesn't really say anywhere that black skin is, um, you know, the mark of Cain. And then Southern Baptists was like, hey, you know, we like our slaves. Uh, let's split. And that's basically what happened. Um and then Mormons took it up, you know, pretty hardcore as well in the, uh, you know, in the in the 19th and 20th century. I think Mormons still believe that uh, black skin was the mark of Cain until like the 1970s, something something really recent. So, you know, that's, yeah, that's a bit rough. I think there's like a Mormon story. I, I'm not really sure how Mormonism works, but they have like these books, these other books. So, it's not like the Book of Mormon or anything Joseph Smith wrote wrote there was like you know other other books other things that kind of happened and then they got written down and they became folklore and so one story is this dude i can't remember his name his last name was Patton, something w Patton. but he's in the south in louisiana or something like that and then this black dude comes up to him he's like tall and black and he's like hey i'm kane and Patton's like oh okay what are you doing and then he's like oh 
I can't really get to heaven. I can't really, you know, die because, you know, I'm cursed. I'm just, you know, going about tempting people. Hey, do you want to kill me? Because if you kill me, then you can take my curse and, you know, you live forever, but you're cursed basically. And then, you know, that became a thing and, you know, the Mormons believe that, yeah, Cain is still alive, some black dude going around trying to curse people, which, you know, again, is complete crap. But, yeah, so that's, it's, it's interesting that, like, like you can use religion in that way. You can skew it and then get a whole bunch of people on your side and then just do, like, terrible atrocities and stuff like that. So, again, another bad side to religion. But, um, yeah, so that's obviously complete trash. Um, and if you still believe that, you're probably an asshole. So rethink your life. Anywho, <laughs> let's get on to the, uh, the next question. And that is, who was Cain's wife? Because, you know, you read the Bible, it doesn't say who Cain's wife is. How can there be, you know, anyone in the else? Because in the Bible, it doesn't even say that there's anyone else born. If you go strictly off the Bible, the only people in the world are Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. So, again, let's go to the expansion pack. We go to the Book of Jubilees, and the Book of Jubilees says that Cain married his sister Awan, which was, again, depending on your thoughts, it's either Abel's twin sister or just a sister that was born at some point. But anyway, Cain basically marries his sister because, you know, there's supposed to be no one else on, on the earth. So, yeah, the way this was kind of described to me as a child was, I was asked this question to my mum when I was like eight years old, and uh, she said that, because because Cain was closer to perfection than us, it wasn't rough to marry his sister because they were closer to perfection. So if they had children, the kids wouldn't have like, you know, deformed heads and stuff like that because they were closer to perfection. And then as, you know, time grew on, God was like, hey, you know, you're getting further away from perfection. You better stop marrying your sister because, you know, there's no genetic diversity, that sort of thing. So that was the uh, that was the explanation I was given. Still seems a bit weird to me, but you know, what can you do? It's, that's the best explanation we got. So then you know, Cain's married his sister, and he's been sent away. And then the Bible says he's built a city. So why would Cain need to build a city? Because if we're if we're again getting back to like semantics a bit. The only people on the earth at this point, let's say we're down the line, Cain's having his kids, all of them are, have popped out. The only people in the world are Adam, Eve, their sons, which I believe is a, sons and daughters, which I believe is about seven or eight. Then Cain, his missus, and he's got four kids, you know, four sons and two daughters. So that's, you know, eight people. So if he's sent away, he's got to live on his own. He's got eight people with him. Why would he need to build a city? You know what I mean? There's no one around. He could build two houses, you know, and be living pretty. He could have a house for himself. He could have like a, a bachelor pad or, you know, like a like a man cave type of thing. And then he could have his regular house and he'd be killing it. So the idea of him like building a city is kind of absurd basically because there's no one about. But Again, you know, not really answered. No one really addresses. I guess if I guess if something's too crazy or out there, they just kind of ignore it in a sense, which is a common theme that I've found doing the research for most of this stuff. But yeah, so another another plot point, a plot hole. Why would he build the city? There's no real need. But he basically the idea is he builds the city. He names it after his first son, Enosh. 
and then you know you know they have the first city then so they've built this city you know how did they know how to build houses not really sure but anyway Kane goes he builds a city builds all these houses and then you know he lives out his days there basically so then the question comes up how did Kane die so the book of jubilees the expansion pack you know saves the day again so the idea is he builds this city he has has all these houses then you know he's 730 years old no one's really shown him how to build a house. He's probably a bit rough at it, you know. He's probably living in the first house still. He probably put his own house up first, which is what I would do. If, you, if you're building a city, you start with your own house, then you moved on. So then he's in the first house, he's in this city, he's chilling, and then the house basically collapsed on him. And the idea is that because Cain used a stone to murder his brother, you know, the stone later kills him. There's what goes around comes around motif kind of comes back into the whole thing and yeah that's basically the end Cain's dead you know Abel's been dead for many years they're all dead um so that that kind of brings us to the end of all the questions that I asked um but I think I think a good idea now is to go into the meanings of the names because the names from what I've been finding people are being named for things that they do before they do them so it's an interesting thing to look at the names after you do the story so that you can then see how how the name probably came about um so the idea um in these is both of them have names that match the, what they did basically so the name Cain in Hebrew is Cain and that means uh smith or uh, the verb to get gotten type of thing in the past tense and the idea is that you know, either he's been made, so like smiths, blacksmiths make things, that type of thing, which the word smith, blacksmith in Hebrew probably came from Cain, you know, the idea of making things, that type of thing. Um, or there's this story in the life of Adam and Eve in which Cain goes down to the river, grabs a reed, brings it back and gives it to Eve. So, you know, he got the reed, you know, gotten, you know, there's, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like the names are given after they've done stuff, but, you know, people get named when they're born. So it's kind of like a predestiny thing. And yeah, so yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so Abel in Hebrew is Hevel, and that means herdsman. Um, and in Arabic today, they still use the word Ibil, which, you know, changed the A to an I. And uh, that means a uh, herdsman, but only for camels. So a camel herdsman in Arabic is Ibil. So they still use that word today. Abel's, you know, a herdsman. So, you know, maybe the story started without a name, you know, it could have been the, the herdsman and the, and the farmer, that type of thing. But yeah, so as you can see, the names are very descriptive of what the people did or, you know, what they were going to do. So... Yeah, either they're really good at telling, you know, what people were going to do when they were babies or, you know, they're probably probably named a bit later, maybe. So, here's where we get to the interesting bit. These are the crazy stories. I love a, I love a good crazy story. So, medieval legends have it that Cain wanders about, but he doesn't he doesn't end up on Earth. Cain ends up wandering into the moon. So, Cain goes to the moon and he has just sticks with him and he lights a fire 
And basically, that's what Kane does now. And he's still up there. He's still lighting his fire. The, the fire's basically a never-ending. And that's why there's shadows on the moon. And that face, you know, there's, like, people that think that there's, like, a face shadow on the moon. That's Kane's face, basically. So, Kane's up there on the moon with his pile of sticks. He's casting shadows left and right. And then his face is, like, embedded into the moon. And this was so prevalent in the Middle Ages that if you read Dante's Inferno, he actually refers to the moon as Cain and the Twigs. So he uses that as like a, a artistic way of talking about the moon. So, you know, again, that's that's a pretty interesting uh, interpretation. Not not something I think is probably legit since we've been to the moon and Cain uh, didn't really appear. But, you know, people, people in the Middle Ages, they, they think some things, you know, the wrong things, but things. Another idea is that, this is another Mormon idea. Mormons are really into Cain for some reason. I'm not sure why, but um, they think that Cain unlocked some type of secret. Like he was the he was the first master Mahan. They, Mormons are really into like names and like secret secret organization names. And Cain's like the master Mahan or the father of secret combinations or the son of perdition and all this sort of stuff. But he like unlocks this secret about if you kill someone you can get what you want by killing so you know god punished him for that purpose he was like hey i didn't want anyone to know that you could kill people and get what you want so that's why cain got cursed and all that sort of stuff which you know again is it seems pretty logical to us now but you know you, you never know anywho now let's get let's get to the end basically um is this legit so We'll look at some other sources and then I'll give you my opinion. And then, you know, again, you make up your own opinions, but I'll give you mine anyway. So there's other, other stories that are pretty similar and most of them are Sumerian. Well, in fact, all of them are Sumerian. And there's three that I found that were the most similar. There's a lot that are, you know, they have like a, a bit of evidence here, a bit of evidence there, something similar. But here's three that I thought were pretty, uh, yeah, Pretty, pretty spot on, pretty close up to the money. So there's a Sumerian story about farmers and shepherds battling. And the idea of this story is it's a symbolic story about the change from a nomadic shepherd's life to a civilized farmer's, you know, stay in one spot, have a house, farm, you know. The, the, the idea of changing from that nomadic style into that more modern city life type of thing and the uh, the fight between it in which some people still want to be nomadic and other people really want to change and they want to, you know, live in cities and farm and that sort of thing. And the idea is that one, one side's farmers, one side's shepherds, they have a battle, you know, the farmers kind of, you know, win in a sense and then, you know, people are civilised. But, you know, again, that one's pretty pretty sparse there isn't main characters and things like that but the i thought the idea of the farmer and the shepherd because in the bible at the time you know there's no cities people are living i think they're either living in tents or like straw huts basically adam and eve and the idea of maybe cain wanting to move into building a city because that's eventually what he goes and does and then abel maybe wanting to be more shepherdly you know keeping that nomadic traditional life type of thing and yeah, so that's the first one. The second one is called The Courtship of Inan and Dumuzid. 
And this one's, uh, you know, pretty similar. The Muzid and Ekinimdu are fighting for Iana's affections. So, you know, I think Inanna's a goddess. And, you know, she's pretty banging. So the Muzid and Ekimindu are like, hey, you know, I'd like to be with Inanna. You know, she's pretty hot. So then, you know, they have like a, a little fight and uh, the Muzid ends up winning. So the Muzid is a shepherd and Ikimidu is a farmer. So, you know, the shepherd ends up winning, being in the right with the gods and, you know. He, get, he ends up getting with Inanna, and then they go off. I think there's a lot more um, stories in uh, Sumerian history or Sumerian folklore about Inanna and Damuzud. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty similar. You know, they have a farmer and a shepherd. They both go to a, a god, you know, or they want, want the affections of a god, and, you know, then the shepherd ends up winning. So, yeah, that's, an, that's another very similar uh, story, and then the third story is called Enlil chooses a farmer god, and then the farmer god. So Enlil is basically the Yahweh of the Sumerians. He's the head god. All the other gods go to him. He can kill other gods. You know what I mean? Uh, he's 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 the big boy. So Emesh and Etan are these two minor gods. And they bring a dispute to Enlil, who's like the big boy. So then Emesh is a farmer and Etan is a shepherd, I believe. It could be the other way around. Don't quote me on that. But um, yeah, so they bring a dispute to, uh, to Enlil and Enlil again sides with the shepherd. So basically there's this Sumerian idea that farmers and shepherds are fighting. They're bringing their their ideas of of living into some type of conflict or choice for a god and then the god often chooses the shepherd so yeah it's pretty you know it's pretty evident that this motif this idea is repeated um and basically in sumerian culture and you'll find that a lot of a lot of genesis's stories are very sumerian and the idea for that is because uh, Genesis was probably written after the uh, exile in Babylon. So, um, yeah, they probably picked up a lot of Sumerian stories while they were in Babylon. And then, you know, they became, you know, the, the Jewish history, basically. So my thoughts on the idea is this is probably a Jewish interpretation of some of these Sumerian stories. Maybe we don't have the exact story that it came from, but, you know... The motif is found quite often in Sumerian literature. So basically my thoughts on the idea is that, you know, whoever wrote the four or five books that turned into Genesis probably took one of these stories, run with it, made it Jewish. And yeah, basically this is what they came up with. And yeah, so probably never happened, but there probably was, you know, a fight between farmers and shepherds nomadic life first, you know, living a more civilized way of life. And then, you know, they, they made these stories to try and explain that to people in the future. And yeah, that's my idea on the subject. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope that you make your own opinions on the ideas. Um, and yeah, so thank you for listening.
Okay, so thank you for listening to that episode. Um, I, the uh, the podcast has actually been released at the moment. This is the first one I've recorded after the release. Um, and yeah, everything's going well, getting some good listeners, good numbers. So yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Um, if you'd like to send any questions, comments, critiques, anything like that, you can send it to religionretold at gmail.com, um, at religionretoldpodcast on Instagram. And yeah, so thanks again for listening and uh, tune in next week. <laughs>